Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to a five-part limited series podcast on diversity and inclusion, hosted by Odyssey Houston market manager, Sarah Frazier, as she chats with Dr. Laura Murillo, CEO of the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, about the life experiences that inspired her to write the book, Lead in Life, which is available now on Amazon.com. Here's Sarah Frazier and Dr. Laura Murillo. So thank you so much for sending me your book. Oh my gosh, I'm sitting here and this is surreal because this is like, would be one of the big, I guess, points of this trajectory, right? Is to sit here with you and talk about the book and I can't believe it, Sarah. I mean, I can't believe it. Well, you know, you told me that you were writing a book. Yeah. And it doesn't seem real until you get the manuscript, (laughs) you know? And I opened it up. And it comes up and there's a legitimate book that my, that my friend wrote. And that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. You know, I'd been talking about this for over 10 years. And it's like when you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose weight and you tell people, right, that mm-hmm. you're going to lose weight mm-hmm. or whatever the, the it for accountability is. Purposes. Yeah. Accountability. And so I remember I started telling people one day I'm going to write a book. And my brother died last year, and it was really a sad time with COVID and with everybody on lockdown and so many challenges. And just my nature of similar to you, okay, reset, reboot, let's figure this out. And when else would I be able to sit on my balcony and write and process? And how therapeutic it was. The whole thing was Mm -hmm. just incredible. So I did this during covid and I think it helped me get through COVID to leave with something tangible that I talked about for literally over 10 years. It's nice to hear that. It's just been such a hard 15 months it has. for everyone. Yes. And to hear that some positive things have come from that yeah. is really, it's it's relieving to yeah. hear, you know, yeah. because it has been so difficult. But, yeah. um, you know, I got the book last night and I read it in one sitting. Wow. And it was, it was just so interesting and I related to so many pieces of it. And so I'm really excited to talk to you about it um, and, and let everybody in on it so they can decide for themselves yeah. if they want to hear. And I think that there's also a lot of great stories in there. Yes. And so I'm going to <laughs> kind of lead you on a journey here and yeah. ask some questions okay. and, um, and 
hopefully some people will gain some inspiration. I hope uh, so. Much needed inspiration during I this time. I hope so. That was the, the whole point of it, right, was to inspire, motivate, and in some cases educate as well. Right. So. so we talked a little bit about why you wanted to write the book. When I opened the book, the very first dedication struck me because I know how close you were to your parents. So what inspired you to dedicate the book to them? Well, when I look back at where I am, it's amazing, Sarah, that only in this country, right, could I be sitting here with you at the Odyssey Studios having this conversation, knowing that my parents came here, crossing the Rio Grande with nothing. They had second grade educations. They had no money. They knew no one. Can you imagine leaving America and doing that? No. Not in a million years. I couldn't And either. they were very young. They were teenagers. And so I'm thinking everything that I have done is because they took that risk to come here, right? And it's my duty, my responsibility to do as much as I can to live to my full potential. And that's what this is about, is mm-hmm. reaching your full potential, whatever that is. But it's a tribute to them that they went on to raise nine children. And the book goes on and talks about my dad coming here and, and you saw him in that photo. He was manual labor. He would put tile in people's homes. And even though he only had a second grade education, he eventually taught himself to read and opened up a business. And Sarah died with a Mexican restaurant with over 50 employees and lived a full life. And to me, that's the testament of America. Mm-hmm. It's the American dream. Yes. Right. And I'm a byproduct of that. Right. So they decided at 16, 16 and 17, what prompted them? I mean, did they talk to you about what it was, how they made that decision? There was not a, um, there wasn't much that could be done in Mexico for them to prosper. And I would ask my mom, cause she was very petite, Sarah. My mom was just like four foot six. And that's if she tippy toed, she was as fair complected as you with hazel eyes. She was Mexican. My father was six foot five, tall, dark, and handsome. And their personalities could not be more different. So I would say to my mom, why did you marry my dad? You know, you guys are very different and you were so young. But everyone married back then, very early. And she said, well, I thought he'd be the first one to help get us out of here. Wow. And sure enough, they they left and they came here. And I think about their journey. And it's interesting that they were able to do so. And much later in life, my dad learn to speak English and, and write some more and became a, uh, a U.S. citizen. How did they pick Houston? They traveled all around the way. So they came through you know, the valley and Brownsville and one town ultimately to the big city. Wow. Yeah, that was their goal to get to a big city. How old Again, were they when knew they got nobody, here? Knew no one. They were 16. Uh, oh, here they were already in their, you know, early in their 20s. In their 20s mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So they had like two year stints all along, but. My father knew for him to prosper and do well, he needed to get into a big city. But they knew no one, Sarah. It's just the, the, the courage. Yes. And courage is such a virtue that n- not many people have. It's no. a very rare virtue, but it for is. both of them to have that is And astounding. when you stop to think about how many people have done these kinds of things, right, or who are challenged by everyday, you know, stops along the way or bumps in the road and and we're overwhelmed and we give up, I think about them. I think about people like them. And I say, really? 
And I write it in one of my pages. Is this really a challenge or is this just a little obstacle? I need to figure it out. Right. Because we're talking about food for them, shelter. Going, I pick you up and I just ship you off to a country where you don't speak the language. No. No. It's <laughs> it's unfathomable. And, you know, I think a lot of times people hear stories like this and they think of them as being long ago stories. No, this is But just, this is our generation's yes, story. Yes. And... Your parents. And the difference, right, between that generation, myself, and then my daughters, right? right? That whole, you know, progression of potential and the opportunities that I've had knowing where my parents came from, that they were not wealthy and rich. So so when you see successful people, right, I talk about, you see them, right? You see Sarah heading up Odyssey and, and everything that you're doing, but what's the backstory? Mm-hmm. And does it motivate and influence others to say, you don't have to be born with it all. It's what you do with what you have, and it's not where you end up. It's, it's where you start. It's where you end up, right? And mm-hmm. cultivating all of that and taking full advantage of it. And where else can we do that but here? Yeah, it's um, it's a gift to be in this country. Sure. So. And I thought I just wanted to share the story, right? Yeah, well, you surely made um, the, the most out of your parents' aspirations. You have to feel great about that. I do. I really do. And, and every day feeling like I still want to do more. So one of the first stories when you get into the book is you're talking about um, your mom and you and you're going shopping. Yeah. And you pull into Gulfgate Mall, I believe. Yes. And you park in a parking spot. You had a pretty fancy car. Yeah. I remember. Gift. Yeah, it was, a, it was a gift. Yeah, for working uh, from the time I was 10 until I graduated from college at 21, my daddy gave me a really nice car as a graduation gift and an employee of the year, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> That's nice. So so tell us this Tell us the story yeah. about what happened to you because it was a big impact on your life, sure. one of those Oprah moments. Yeah, right? absolutely. And something that for many years I didn't discuss and just kept it to myself, but as with many people, you know, you suffer tragedies, and this was certainly one. I'm 18, parked the car, going in, running in and out, and my gut said, don't park there. But I did. And the reason I thought not to park there was because there were shrubs, shrubs and bushes, right, in that little corner pocket. But I did. I didn't listen to my instinct. We ran in. Within minutes, we were back out, unlocked the electric car doors. My mom opened her door. I was already in when she sat. He reached over her and pointed a gun to me. And miraculously, I was extraordinarily calm. Just as I'm That's talking to That's hard to, to believe. You, I was. Mm-hmm. And my mother was not. My mother began screaming and yelling and was, I'm trying to calm her down so that he doesn't get agitated. And as this increases, right, he gets frustrated and then just puts the gun to my head. So now the situation is elevated. So now my mother is even more. Sure. I can't uh, imagine. It, it, it just worse, more terrifying thing for a parent yeah, than to yeah. see a gun pointed at their yeah, child. And, and, and he's here over her body and I'm very calmly saying to him, take the car, take what you want, let us out. Just let us out. Get out, get out, he was yelling leave everything get out get out and in the heat of the moment of all of this you know somehow I was able to turn and kind of gaze his eyes and 
the yelling is increasing in this car, the, the, all of the acoustics of the car, everything is magnified, right, the sound of it. And before I know it, he pulls the trigger. And I just remember shutting my eyes and my mother screeching this horrific scream. And it jammed. The gun jammed. And in that instant, I just grabbed her, pulled her out so hard, her shoes stayed in the car. Her purse was dangling from the door, and he sped off. Wow. And then we get off the car, and then reality for me sets in. And so then it's the, you know, just unbelievable, um, just sense of my body just losing all everything, right? Everything leaving my body. And so very traumatic experience and could have been life-altering, of course, right? If Mm -hmm. he had killed me and then killed my mother. But that didn't happen. And where I take this conversation to is the focusing on we're okay. We were okay. And what does this mean? What can I take? What positive thing can I take with me from that horrific experience? And that is to appreciate every minute that I can. Because that gun jammed, and it could have easily gone off, and it didn't. And I want to take that as a cue that I have things to do and people to help and a life to live, and I choose to focus on the positive versus hanging on to a very traumatic experience. How did you get there, though? I think it would be really easy to dwell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the mind naturally goes to the worst-case scenario. Of course. And it would be easy to settle on that. How did you get yourself out of that and into, you know, forward progression? It took me months. I had just graduated from high school. I was ready to go to college. You were so young. I was 18. I was in my room. I would get startled with any and everything. It kept going in my mind. I could not get it out of it. I I saw different scenarios. Then the guilt set in because I didn't listen to my gut, which was don't park there. Mm -hmm. So now I felt guilty. Then I thought, what if something had happened to my mother? I put her in harm's way. So The good news, I suppose, is that I processed Mm -hmm. all of those things repeatedly. And I also noticed that my mom was different. Her, the way she was resilient was that after it occurred, she'd say, we're okay, everything's fine. And she was just back to her normal routine. And she'd say, it's okay. And she'd try to get me to get there. And I remembered her response in the car, and I thought to myself, how does she go from the car to it's okay? Like, how? And I kept just watching her and watching her continue and do and do, and, oh, thank God we're okay. Thank God. She would praise, you know, small things in life, like, oh, my gosh, look, look, oh, I'm so glad you're okay. And I think watching and seeing her be resilient helped me be resilient. It's like with your children. You can say things to them. You can ask them to do things, but they see us. They watch us. And so watching her was helpful. And actually just owning my feelings of fear and anxiety and verbalizing them and then just thinking, you know, our friends were coming over and saying, "Let's, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And they would try to get me, I don't want to go, I don't want to leave. The, all the door locks were changed, all the license, everything, right? And so 
I just had to mentally verbalize those things. I used to like to write a lot, so I would write down things I was happy about and just try to get myself there. Mm -hmm. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to live this way. I don't want to. And it took a while. It took months. But then I was just looking at those positive things, Sarah, and it really changed everything for me to be able to say, hey, I'm okay. Stop dwelling on it and be grateful. And it was just a great manifestation of fears and those feelings to, oh, my gosh, right? Just I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Everybody's okay. Let's go. Let's go have fun. Let's do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that you were able to turn that around and, and create something good in your life from that. Yeah. Um, another story that was really funny and resonated with me was your dad, and we talked about him before. Yeah. But on you were working with, for him yeah. at the restaurant, mm-hmm. and on your 16th birthday, he gave you a rather interesting yeah. gift. Yeah, he was a prankster, and I love that about him. Because he could appear to be intimidating and a quite serious man, and his physical appearance was one that was very much, you know, he'd just walk in the room and you'd be like, oh, okay. Large presence. Large presence. And so when he was a prankster, it was always so much fun to see that other side of him. So my birthday, and he's got a really yucky box, the cartons where tomatoes would come in and he put it on there and he said, happy birthday, very nonchalant, walked away and left me there at the table where we would sit down normally and have our meals in between, you know, our shifts at the restaurant. So it was a big tomato box? It was a big tomato box. Yeah, 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 big tomato box and and, uh, stinky and he found the dirtiest one and it had like rotten onions in there and some jalapeno peppers and trash and okay, but it was my birthday so I assumed there's something in here, right? And I'm when, not sure I would have assumed that, though. Well, you know, I think that was the optimist in me. Like, there better be something in here, or he's going to come around and bring me my real gift, right? So I, I knew there was a prize at the end of this. Okay. So it's so, yeah. Yeah, this is one of his things. So I took everything out, Sarah, and at the bottom of it, sure enough, there was a box, and he gave me a bracelet, and it had a diamond for each year of my life. And then he didn't say anything. He just walked over and looked at me. And it was his way of saying, you got to go through some crap sometimes to get to the prize. And isn't that true, Sarah? That is definitely <laughs> true. Every day. And if we let that one rotten tomato or the onion or whatever's in that box get in our way, we won't reach our goals. And so you've got to want to attain that goal. And that was my dad's way of of teaching me so many lessons that were to this day, helpful to me in achieving my goals and overcoming them and asking for help. And the wait staff just laughed. And it was very, again, a classic move on his part to give me a gift in a box full of trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you had so many lessons through your family, mm-hmm. through being the youngest yeah. of all the kids. Now, normally the youngest child in a family is not necessarily the leader and the extrovert and the connector that you are. Mm -hmm. What do you think the impact was of you being the youngest child? How did that, how did that shape you? How did your, how did your siblings shape you? Yeah. Well, it's an interesting dynamic because it's almost as if my parents had two phases, right? 
coming here with a bunch of children in the home and then everybody leaving about at age 18 because they were getting married and they were living their lives, right? And so at the end of the day, it was just a sibling and myself at home. So I lived the experience of this big house full of people and um, just the fun antics of a large family and just being a prankster myself all the time. And I remember once my parents were going somewhere and I had done something. So my siblings are like, you just wait, we're going to get you. And so my parents said, we're going to the store, stay here. And I said, no, no, I have to go with you. I can't stay here. <laughs> and so we left. But uh, certainly the dynamic of that and my father's early years were very hard labor type years where he'd come home late at night, tired and wake up, and he was gone by five in the morning, Sarah. So his lifestyle was very different from when I was being brought up. So I saw that, and then I saw the second phase. So I was there for both books, if Mm -hmm. you will, the first book and then the second book. That's really interesting because I grew up watching my dad cold call on Sunday nights, Mm -hmm. and then he was doing – sales while he was still coaching he would leave at five in the morning and so I think we can't underestimate the power of the example setting you know for all the parents out there that are listening to this I think what happens more often is they do what they see and not what they hear sure you know I think that's a really interesting similarity that I can relate to from you right and I know that you also had um you know a lot of guidance from your older siblings i know that your oldest brother joe yes. was really influential in he was because my dad died when i was 24 sarah so my brother joe was 15 years my senior and so when my dad died and i was 24 joe and i again all of us have very similar type a personalities for the most part but joe and i was a little different because i also worked with him at the restaurant And so that added a whole other layer of engagement, right? Not most of us spend weekends and stuff with our, with one of our siblings. And I did from the time I was 10 to 21 in a very, not just familial way, but in a, in a work setting. So we spent a lot of time together. And as the youngest, and especially when my dad died, this feeling of, he was my go-to, right? And, and I think I was for him as well. We had a lot of the same friends. We, we're very active in the community in, in different ways. And so a very deep connection between the two of us. So when he passed last year, I was devastated, absolutely devastated. And it was during COVID when everything already for everyone was so odd. Right. And my inspiration was also to be able to show my daughters, right, that even with tragedy, that you can find something good from it. And I remembered my conversations with him, like, I'm going to write a book. And he'd always say, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're going to write a book. Almost egging me on, just Mm -hmm. do it. Just do it. And so I took the opportunity and and advantage of evenings where normally I'd be at three or four events at night. The crazy part was, as you know, thanks to Zoom, you and I and others were Zooming all morning, all night, and weekends. I mean, it's like you never knew when the clock started or stopped. We didn't move, but we sped up. All of the above. And it was like, like there were no boundaries of, oh, it's Sunday morning. No, it's like, let's go. We need this. We need this. And so that very hectic time 
for all of us um, was just something that I won't ever forget. But I know that the timing was right with the death of George Floyd and all the social injustices that we had seen. In my mind, the book actually started coming together, this backdrop of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which I don't think I was ready for five years ago. My book wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. The time wasn't right. All of these things collided, and it was the right time. Yeah, it it definitely probably gave you some more context with which to tie all of these strings together because that's what I found when I was reading the book is that it was constantly being interwoven with your personal mm-hmm. um, life, lessons, skills, and then also this larger picture of how that translates into the workplace and where we need to be as a community and as leaders yes. inside our own workplaces. Correct. Which was really interesting. Thank you for listening to part one of this five-part limited series podcast on diversity and inclusion, hosted by Odyssey Houston's market manager, Sarah Frazier, as she spoke with Dr. Laura Murillo, CEO of the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and author of the book, Lead in Life. Be sure to check out the next part of this five-part limited series, as well as Dr. Laura Murillo's book, Lead in Life, available now on Amazon.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.